you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message.
regardless what you see in man, regardless how many faults you see in them, be careful not to cast too much judgment on them. Because except for God's grace, every one of us would be in the same shoes. That's why we've got to give grace a chance to work in every life. When someone walks in the doors of this building that may not be accustomed to the traditions of the apostolic church or the teachings of the Bible, and they come in, they don't know what we believe, they don't know what worship is about, I'm not going to come and apologize for doing what the Bible says do. But neither am I going to come in and try to convict somebody because they are not where I am. I was born into this thing when 55 years ago I was born and about three days after my birth I was in an apostolic church. I ought to be further down the road than somebody that just walks in the doors of the building. So we've got to give grace a chance. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, uh, Jesse, the story says Jesse had some sons and um, Samuel comes to anoint one of them to be king. And Samuel brings his sons, uh, he, asks, he asks Jesse to bring his sons together. And when he brings them all together, Samuel looks at each of them and he says, this is not who the Lord told me to anoint. And so Samuel asks Jesse, is there not yet another son? And of course, Jesse reluctantly sends to the field and brings in his youngest son by the name of David. And he brings David before Jesse. Uh, Jesse brings David before Samuel. And uh, the Bible said that David, he's a youngster. He was, he was of a beautiful countenance. And he was, he was goodly, the Bible says, to, to look at. Uh, Y'all would run me out of here if that's how I talk. You're goodly to look at. Uh, he was goodly to look at. And the Lord speaks to Samuel and tells tells Samuel, that's, that's the man, uh, arise and anoint him. And in that moment, the Bible said that when, when Samuel anointed David, that the Spirit of the Lord rose upon David. Although David had a lifetime ahead of him, and that lifetime was filled with disappointments, faults, failures, mistakes. But David was a man of destiny. When one begins to examine the life of David, we find a man who ended his life well. But between the lad tending sheep that was called in for the anointing and the king in the palace uh, serving and doing the will of God, 
David's life was full of humanity. But God always makes room for humanity, and he calls that grace. David comes on the scene as a shepherd boy whom God took from the sheepfold eventually to dwell in the palace. This man was called by God. He was ordained for greatness even when no one was mindful of him. David eventually became a man that was dear to God's own heart. The first time the name of David was mentioned in the Bible was in Ruth, the fourth chapter, and then again prior to the time that he was anointed to be king in 1 Samuel chapter 13. After David's anointing or proverbial calling to do great things for God, um, the, the time that David operating in his calling and under the influence of his anointing were many years of tending sheep. Today I have noticed that it seems like all of us get so caught up in wanting to be the giant killed killer and wanting to be the famous king or wanting to write the great song that's going to make the pages of the psalm. But we fail to recognize all of the years of sheep tending and the years of labor and work and all the time that was going to be spent before he moved into his calling. David worked faithfully in his father's field. Um, he would have been overlooked by most men why his own father and his brethren overlooked him because he, he wasn't one that was to be expected to be the chosen man to do great exploits for the Lord, but he wasn't overlooked by God. If you miss everything else I'm saying this morning, I want to inspire somebody that feels like that you have been overlooked walked around and missed. I want to tell you that it doesn't matter what you look like in men's eyes, but it does matter what God thinks about us. Samuel asked Jesse, do you have a son? One of them will be anointed king. The proud Jesse undoubtedly responding to Samuel with calm assurance. Yes, there they are. Here, here are all of my qualified sons, Eliab and Shema and, and Nathaniel, and here they all are. They're, they're all ready, and he goes through the list, all of my sons who have been trained and are ready for war and, and ready to lead, and surely one of them would be ready to become the next king. But Samuel, the man of God, said, is there not yet another son that has been left out? Is there not another son that has been overlooked? Have, have, I have looked over these, and yes, they're all good men. And, and Jesse, you have so much to be proud of. Look at them and all of their skill set and, and, and their, their polished armor and, and all of their education and their abilities and their talents. Look, look through all of them. But uh, when I look through them and all of their greatness, I don't find the man that God has chosen. I'm not finding the one that God is saying 
I want to be the next king. Reluctantly, Samuel says, well, I, I, uh, Jesse says, well, I, I have another son, but, but, but he's in the field and, and he's not skilled like his brothers. He, he doesn't have the training. He's, he's not the most socialized. Most of his time is spent with sheep and, and, and his harp and, and he does write some neat songs uh, out on the, the, the field, but he, he doesn't know how to talk to anybody. He, he, he's never had a wife. He's, he's, he's out there all to himself. He, he wouldn't be voted the most likely to succeed and certainly not the most likely to lead. His, his name is David. His, his life will be filled with flaws and failures. He, he doesn't even have everything about life figured out yet. No way could we possibly follow him for he's not yet reached the apex of where men should be that are that are going to lead at such a high level, particularly to be the king of Israel. Yet Samuel asked, uh, uh, bring, bring him to me if, if you would. And in walks the one from his field of labor and walks in smelling like sheep without eloquent words and without all types of ability. Surely God wouldn't want to promote somebody like that to become the king. But yes, Jesse, yes, yes, Jesse, uh, you got the right one then, Samuel declares. Uh, God says that this is the man, Samuel. The man of God took a horn of oil and began to anoint David and pour it out upon him to become the next king of Israel. Here is where the story gets interesting. He was anointed to be king, but after he was anointed to be king, watch, he was sent back into the shepherd's field to tend sheep. Mm. See, a lot of people are okay until they get their anointing. A lot of people are okay until they get their calling and they start being able to, to, to see their destiny. And then all of a sudden it wrecks their future because they get too high and lifted up. There's no way that at that point they could go back to the sheepfold. No way they could go back to the hillside and tend sheep too often. We, I believe, we ask God, when, when is my opportunity coming? When, when is my break coming? God, when, when is my promotion going to happen uh, Pastor, don't, don't, don't you know how anointed I am, how gifted I am? Yes, son, I see that. Yes, I know that. Now go and tend sheep. He wasn't trained by the top soldiers. He didn't rub shoulders with those that could promote him and move him up the ladder. Instead, he had to train himself by life's experiences and hard knocks and failures. But when the bear and the lion came, he was ready to fight like a man. But David's fight with the lion and the bear were not to give him awards of being a mighty hunter, fierce and ferocious killer of the wild beast of the field. But those battles were preparing him for a greater battle with a greater giant that is named Goliath. But Goliath wasn't even David's greatest fight. 
Hold on now. We're going to get somewhere today. Goliath wasn't even David's greatest fight. Was David's greatest fight lust that led him into the arms of Bathsheba? I don't even think that was David's greatest fight. David's greatest fight was within himself. I talked about it Wednesday. David's greatest fight was the battle within himself. It was the battle to accept grace that would bring him forgiveness for his failure. Oh, my Lord, I wish... I could preach this the way I feel it this morning. Can I tell somebody in this house today that God knew you before you were ever formed? He already established his plans and his purpose for your life before you were ever conceived. God had a perf- had, had perfected his work in you before you ever realized what he was doing in your life. God had preordained you and I ahead of time. He said to Samuel, for I have provided myself a king among the sons of Jesse. Watch, watch. I have provided myself a king among the sons of Jesse. Uh, that, 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 that man, Pastor, are, are, are you telling me that God can use him? I mean, have you met him? Have you talked to him? Uh, 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 Pastor, are you sure? You, you don't mean that, 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 that God could possibly use him? No, no way. Surely you don't believe, Pastor, that God could use me in some uh, uh, way. Uh, I, mean, I mean, look at me and let's talk about my failures and let's talk about my struggles. Let's talk about my constant struggles struggles that I deal with on a, on, a, on a regular basis. My life has been riddled with faults and, and disappointments. I, I don't think God could ever use me. I, I, I come this morning to refute that enemy that would like to get in your head and in your spirit and cause you to believe that God can't use you because of your failures. Uh, there's some of you that were born on an apostolic pew and you've been anointed for a long time, but you allow a little failure that came into your life to cause you to stop believing that God would ever be able to use you again. I feel my help coming today, but I come this morning to tell you that if you'll just give grace a chance, God's got a plan from the very beginning. He knew you before you were ever formed, before you were ever born. God has a plan for you, and he's got the ability to make it all right. on the outward appearance but God looks at the heart people and even men of God sometimes fail to see from God's perspective can I go a little deeper into this this morning when you walk in the grace and divine favor of God and when you carry a generational anointing that has been with you since your youth people will struggle to receive you and your peers will not rejoice with you because usually they'll get jealous. Am I in a real world this morning? All eight of you, thank you. But I did come to remind somebody this morning that there's not one of us that's perfect. 
and those people that talk about you behind your, your back and you wish and don't know why they won't promote you, I'll tell you why they won't promote you because they want the, they want what you have. They say they want the anointing that you have, but they don't even know. They don't know what you've been through to get there. I had somebody walk up to me a few days ago and speak of one of our young men and said, I want to be anointed like that young man. I said, shut your mouth right now. You don't even know what he's been through. You don't want his anointing. You need your own anointing. Come on, somebody. You don't want pastor's anointing. You don't want Brother Dylan's anointing. You don't want Brother Chad's anointing. You don't want Brother Danny's anointing. You don't want Brother Isaiah's anointing or, or my wife's anointing. You will need your own anointing. And when God says, there it is, this is my plan for your future, let his anointing come. The grace that will come with that anointing will be enough to see you through. I'll just get ready because when you're anointed, you'll be avoided. You'll be left out. You'll be in some relationships that will even be abusive. Come on, somebody. There's some folks that refuse to speak to you because of your anointing, because of your position, because of where God has elevated you to. They walk, they, they think that they're hurting you. They fight against you, but the Bible says they're not fighting against you. They're fighting against God himself, and they're never going to win when they fight against God. Come on, shake it off. Come on, just shake it off. That's just another thing that comes against you. Come on, shake the serpent off in the fire. It's just a little thing that's going to come. Sure, somebody's going to say something against you. Yes, offenses are going to come, but you have been anointed for a purpose and a reason that is greater than anything or anybody is going to be able to stop. Joseph's brothers hated and envied him. Jephthah's brothers ostracized him. David's brothers overlooked him. Jesus' brothers doubted him. Listen to me, friend of mine. It's part of the process that God is taking you through. Because if we get drunk on the applauses of men and you get in battle and everybody else is fighting their own battle, sometimes I touched on this a little bit Wednesday night, but sometimes we get caught up in our own battle and when we get in our own battle, we're struggling for our own survival and we can't pay attention to somebody else's struggle. Don't get offended at your brother. You don't know the battle that he may be in right now. But when they're in their own battle, they're not going to come and praise you. And you're like, well, there's nobody complimenting me. What in the world? Don't live for the compliments of men. Don't get drunk on the compliments of men. You better walk in divine favor with God and know I'm called of God, anointed by God. And I'm going to keep walking by faith according to what God has purposed for my future. David was relegated to the background of, of life left to feed sheep in a wilderness. I want somebody to grab a hold of this word today. Moses, the great leader of God's people, was also relegated to tending sheep for 40 years on the backside of a desert. But he found God there. God appeared to him at the most inopportune place and the most inopportune time. 
stay alone with God. Don't be in a hurry. Some people are in such a hurry to launch out. Stay in the place of your calling. Because right where you are on the backside of your proverbial desert may be the very place where you find God and he calls you from where you are to where you're going. It may be the point of transition. God is preparing you for his service, for his service and for his purpose. While you're waiting, Take your growth and your business diligently. Cultivate a lifestyle of discipline and responsibility. Spiritual responsibility places you in high demand. I would rather, I would rather work with someone who has a prayer life, who is a worshiper, who is faithful to the house of God, and who is submitted to their pastor. I would rather work with that individual than somebody with education, with experience. Mm -hmm. Why is that, Pastor? Because when somebody places themselves in the hand of God and comes under God's authority and anointing, God can do amazing things in their lives. But God can't do anything with a stubborn, hard-headed attitude that says, I know everything, I've got everything, I refuse to be submitted to God's plan, His purpose, His will, His... His listen, listen. Submission is the bedrock on which successful lives and ministries are built. Somebody needs to receive this word today. The lack of submission will abort all talent and ability. Samuel was sent out of of Jesse specifically for the purpose of anointing David. Samuel sent to the house specifically for the purpose of anointing David. This anointing made a difference in the life of David. But it wasn't really noticed for about 40 years. He's anointed, but for 40 years he just looked like one of the other kids. Matter of fact, the least likely of the other kids. But this anointing launched David into a new realm of exploits and spiritual insights. God dealt with him in the backside of a desert taking care of kids, uh, of, of taking care of sheep. Here he is back there and God's dealing with him and preparing him and giving him words and giving him wisdom and growing and developing him. Not on the stage, not in front of everybody, but in a place that he was alone with God. Hear me this morning. Some of you need to give grace a chance and know, hey, all I need to do is get alone with God. Well, I'm not, I'm not on the platform. I'm not, I don't have a big position. I don't have, you don't need all of those things. Just get alone with God, trust his call, trust his anointing, and let him begin to speak and perfect you. Let me remind you today that Jesus called you to be the light of the world and the salt of the 
earth. You have been called by God for a specific purpose to advance the kingdom, but you cannot do it without the anointing. Destiny lies. The seed of greatness lies within you. But between that anointing and David becoming the king was a lifetime of failure and missteps. But God For those of you who think you deserve elevation, you're dismissed. Because we can't go anywhere but up. None of us. But for those of us who recognize that we need God's grace, you're in good company this morning. God isn't looking for perfection. He is looking for someone who will be faithful until his Grace makes room for our human failures. Oh, I wish I could connect with somebody this morning that's been struggling with your own faults, with your own humanity, but somebody should give God thanks today because he is for you and not against you. Every one of us, if we got what we deserved, we wouldn't be here today. But God looks beyond our faults and sees our needs. The law was all about perfection. There was no leniency in the law. Sin led to death. Every sin had a harsh penalty. Adultery led to stoning. Stealing would cost a man his hand. Murder would cost a man his own life. There were no do-overs with the law. The law said you must be perfect, but Jesus Christ walks on the scene and he brings grace and truth. Come on today, I come to tell somebody, you've got to get out of a law mentality in your life and say I'm not good enough, wasn't born with the right last name, don't have enough money. You've got to give grace a chance today. God is reaching to you. Somebody walked in the doors today. You've been resisting God and saying when my life gets better, then I'll serve him. But today he's saying give me a chance. Give me a chance. Give me a chance. I'll turn all of those missteps into something wonderful. I'll turn your life around. Every mistake will be a point of God's mercy in your life. Oh, somebody ought to give God a shout of praise in this room. I won't be much longer. We don't deserve it. That's why it's called grace, the unmerited favor of God. Doesn't matter who wants to say that God's looking for your perfection. I want you to know that God is a God of grace and mercy. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. At David's worst failure, God showed him grace and he was called a man after God's own heart. It was because he was not perfect. What do you mean he's called a man after God's own heart because he was not perfect? Correct, because there's none perfect but him. But the fact that David knew that he was not perfect, but David knew that he needed God's grace and his mercy. That's why if you read through the psalm, you will read a man that is broken, a man that constantly is calling for the help of the Lord. 
and what he finds joy in is not how many sheep he's tending and not how, how much money he has in the bank account. Come on, somebody. But what he is rejoicing over is the mercies of God makes new. Uh, hey, somebody needs to understand today that we need to get joy over the fact that grace is working in our life. Uh, find joy in the fact that God is on our side. What is fathomable about grace? Uh, uh, there is nothing fathomable about grace. Uh, is it comprehensible that a harlot would find purity at a place of repentance? Absolutely not. Uh, is it reasonable that a liar could find truth and salvation? Absolutely not. Uh, is it logical that a sinner could find, uh, could find righteousness? Absolutely not. Yeah, I talk to those that say someday I'm going to get it all worked out in my life. Someday I'm going to go to church. If I went now, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a hundred times. But if I went walked in the doors of the church, the roof would probably cave in. No, God's grace is too great for that. God's grace is too great for that. Grace is one of God's unreasonable ways. this morning, but here's what David said in Psalm 103, as far as the east is, so far has he removed our transgressions from us, not how far the north is from the south because you can only go so far, but when you start east, there's no end, and you go west, there's no end. As far as the east is from the west is unfathomable. It is incomprehensible. It is unmeasurable. It is unending. That's the grace of God. He reached to you, well, Pastor, if you know, if you knew. Somebody said, Pastor, I've, I've done the unthinkable. Pastor, I've, I've failed God worse than anybody else. Uh, that's why it's called grace, uh, because it's not about how good you are or how many times he's forgiven you. It's not how many times he's shown mercy to you. You've got to give grace a chance. If you read all through David's life, following his great failure and his attempt to cover up his failure, which ended in murder, if you read all through this, you're going to see that out the other side David goes to extreme means he says things like purge me with hyssop wash me that I may be clean he even goes into extreme statements like take not thy holy spirit from me You know why that was? Because he took his eyes off of the grace that had got him to where he was. And he put his eyes on the failure. 
He was focusing on his sin and focusing on his failure, focusing on his wrongdoing instead of focusing on the grace of God. If I could get somebody for the next three minutes just to begin to focus on the grace and the mercy of God in this room right now. His grace is greater than your failure. The worst thing you've ever done, his grace far exceeds it. The, the, the deepest and darkest moment of your life, his grace so far exceeds it. He loves you more than you love yourself. Come on, you don't have to beg God. His grace is already there for you. All you've got to do is give it a chance. Give grace a chance this morning because he's reaching for you. Would you stand with me all over the room today? Maybe you want to just lift your hands toward heaven in this house right now and just say, yes, God, I'm going to give grace a chance this morning. I'm tired of running from it. I'm tired of refuting it. I'm tired of arguing about it. But I'm going to give grace a chance today. Come on, God's reaching for somebody. Oh, my life's full of failures, Pastor. That's why it's called grace. Come on, come on, give grace a chance today. He still loves you. He still cares about you. He hasn't taken his anointing off of you. I open these altars today. Somebody needs to respond to what the Holy Ghost is wanting to do in your life this morning. Somebody needs to give grace a chance today. Come on, he's wanting to move it, remove it as far as the east is from the west. He's wanting to take it off of you. He wants that burden and that load that you walked in here carrying. He's wanting to lift it off of you this morning. He wants you to leave without condemnation today. He wants you to walk in victory. He wants you to walk in freedom and anointing and power. Come on, grace is for you. God is for you. He's not against you. Come on, find yourself a place to pray this morning. Come on, build an altar today and just say yes. I'll give grace a chance. There's still room. There's still room. Why don't you join us here this morning? I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your hand. Leading the way. I can't make it without you. Not for one day. I need your mercy. Come on, God's not giving up on you. Don't give up on God. Come on, turn this into a prayer room for the next few minutes. Even if you chose not to walk forward, why don't we just all pray and seek God right where we are for a few moments this morning. Grace is favorable of you.
you slip a hand in the air this morning? Why don't you make this your prayer? room this morning. 